This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top Ten. Why? What you guys don't know is while that is playing, I'm mousing to myself, the top ten, the top ten. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the top ten by Peak Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia Fabi, and I have with me this morning, Brittany Heagle. Good morning, and how are you doing? I am good. I'm Worn out, went to Arkansas Comic Con yesterday, which was fun, but I realized I'm going to melt when we go to New York Comic Con. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I was going to, before we went any further into the show, I was going to ask how uh, the Arkansas Comic Con was. And for those who are listening who don't realize why she's going to melt, is because she is Captain Marvel. And Brittany, I will say, that I am going to be a little disappointed if you don't wear your Captain Marvel costume to New York Comic Con because that is the convention to deck that out in. Well, I got to thinking, I'm like, oh, it's going to be cooler there, and I know we can take breaks and I can unzip that side of it. But what I realized on it, a quick thing about that costume I started to realize is, so it you're completely wrapped up in it. It's a one piece, and then you put the vest on and it wraps up. But there's no way for the heat to escape because the neck hole on it is so tight. And then you have the gauntlets that wrap around the wrist, so there's no heat that can escape out your hand, like your wrist. And then you have the bottoms, and it has a thing that wraps around you. So you're literally just, like, marinating in your own heat and with no heat escape. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, no, must wear thing was expensive, must get use out of it. (laughs) <laughs> well, the good thing is with New York Comic Con, you have the ability to step outside, and it's going to be October, so it's going to be a little chilly, so there you go. Yeah, there we go, girl. <laughs> we don't have uh, the Arkansas heat there, but Arkansas Comic Con was amazing. Um, uh, Amanda, you know, uh, my brother's fiance, we she went too, and she got a picture with Kel, and she dressed up like orange soda. Because she was so excited. And uh, the man that played Hercules was there. I didn't see the man that played uh, Green Ranger. But I'm telling you, um, I believe his name is Kevin Conroy, uh, who voices Batman. He, the line was out the door for him. Also, the same was for, uh, I think his name is Sean Austin. I can't remember his name. He he plays Bob in Stranger Things and also Sam, Samwell in uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, Sean Astin was there? Yes, the line was out the door for him. Like, they had to do it in, like, because Arkansas Comic Con is smaller. And normally you can have where uh, people just, uh, like, you didn't have to buy the tickets beforehand. Like, they had where you could get a selfie or, you know, get an autograph or, you know, or get a shout out from them. But, uh, like, on the microphone. But, uh, they actually had to separate it out. Like, the, the line was out the door. They had to do it in, like, different phases for those two. They were the most excited for it. And then um, 
I'm trying to remember what else happened, but I will say the one thing is is I think they highly underestimated Arkansas Comic Con because it was packed. Like at least in New York Comic Con, you can move around a little bit, and like you know, even though it's busy, there is spaces where you can kind of step away. No, you were constantly shoulder to shoulder with people, and I was like, I'm legitimately gonna die. <laughs> That is the good thing about New York Comic Con. There are certain places for you to kind of step aside and relax. But, I mean, on Saturdays, it gets pretty deadlocked in the main center of the convention. So we'll see. But that's super cool that you went, that uh, Kevin Conroy and Sean Aston were there. Those are certainly two big bills, especially um, with the, uh, and I believe, Oh, gosh, I'm going to be wrong on this, probably. The 27th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series just passed, and Kevin Conroy will be playing Bruce Wayne on the upcoming CW event, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and Sean Astin, R.I.P. Bob, and just uh, those are two big names. So that's really cool. R.I.P. Bob. <laughs> Gone too soon, but... I am happy that you had a good time, and it's just in preparation for New York Comic Con, which is so incredibly close that I'm just so happy. Um, But, you know, today's episode is the top 10 best romantic comedies. And I was telling Brittany in the pre-show at first, so our editor-in-chief, Kanan, who is just amazing, actually suggested this theme for this top 10 and at first I was a little hesitant because I didn't realize that first of all I will say that I don't often like romantic comedies rom-coms they often to me end up being a little more silly than not Um, but when I looked up on Google I was like wow a lot of like uh, say like classics that I've liked throughout the years are rom-coms, romantic comedies. So I was like, yes, I'm excited for this. This is great. I actually have a fantastic list. So let's just kind of dive right into this, Brittany, um, for the top 10 best romantic comedies. And I'm going to let you go first and just tell us what your number 10 is. I'm going to start with one that my mom watched religiously growing up, which is so funny. Do you remember the movie She's All That? Oh, I think she's gone for a second, but I'll go ahead and explain. She's all that is about there's a star football player at a high school and his popularity is selling. And um, I'm trying to think of the word for it. And he gets dared to make a girl popular enough to win being a prom queen. And, well, he gets uh, Lainey, who is a art student, who is a bit um, – eccentric and very unpopular because she's kind of drab but the whole run of like him realizing he has true affection for her the silliness the hoops he has to go through to be able to sway her and actually falling in love with her but I do think it's kind of weird that his sister is so obsessed with him and there is that little bit of an undertone there with his sister being a little seductive. So for me, that was pretty great. I can see his tears there. I'm here. I was listening. I thought that you kept going. <laughs> oh, well, you cut off. You cut off for a second earlier when I 
asked you a question. I was like, oh, no, I lost her again, the curse of the top ten strike. It is the curse of the top ten because I will let you know that I'm not even on Wi-Fi right now, so I don't know what's going on. But I heard you talking about uh, She's All That, which is funny that you mentioned the whole thing about, like, the brother and sister because I don't know why. It just made me remember. um, Did you ever see uh, Not Another Teen Movie? Yes, it's made after that. It was a parody of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I will admit that. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't know if you needed to um, complete any type of thought or anything. Oh, no, no. I was just laughing. Um, I was laughing because I know what you're talking about with the sister, like, trying to constantly get with him. And he's just like, <laughs> no. And I definitely feel like they played on the undertones of She's All That with that movie. Right. I, I, I don't mean to kind of like overtake uh, She's All That with Not Another Teen Movie, but I will say that that is one of my favorite parody movies of all time. <laughs> you can fill in like Kanye West. I, I'm going to let you finish top one, but another t- not another teenage movie was the best romantic comedy of all time. Uh, no, but uh, but it's great. I just love how he did actually fall for her, and at the end with uh, where he loses the bet and he has to cover, you know, he has to go on stage naked and he has the soccer ball covering him and he ends up throwing it at Laney and then you just hear the gasp of everyone because it's like, oh, he, he full naked now. <laughs> So, you're going to, like, kind of laugh at me, but do you know I've never seen She's All That? Tia. Tia. It's a classic. It's the whole, uh, it, I feel like the 90s was very, or, like, the early 2000s, because I can't remember which one it came out in, but I feel like it was always popular guy, drab girl, and drab girl is actually beautiful girl. Uh, actually, she's way more beautiful than the lead star. And you're just like, okay, you're a cash cow. <laughs> but all right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was certainly the um, the formula back then. And I just feel like there's so many movies like that. Like, it's not another scene movie. I'm so sorry, Brittany. <laughs> no, no. It, it's great because I was reading uh, – this uh, it was the silly thing where they're like oh do you want to know how to make a uh, top selling book make a beautiful man falling for a normal average nothing you know like interesting about her girl who they somehow find beautiful and I was like that follows every like romantic comedy ever and pretty much pretty much and again I've never seen She's All That, but I've certainly heard of it, and I know about it's like kind of a cult classic in the whole rom-com genre, so I think that this is a perfect way to start the top ten. I just love it that, uh, oh, but you know, thinking back on it, you know, I know those things weren't socially acceptable back then, but it is interesting how back then there is a point where one of the guys tries to force himself on Lainey, the main female character, and she ends up using an air horn on him when he won't back up. 
and like ends up damaging his ears. And you know, as the movie goes on, you're like, oh, you know, serves him right. He shouldn't have been so pushy. But now in this atmosphere, you're like, okay, that was really creepy. That that's not just like, oh, he was just being, you know, too pushy. It's like, oh, you know, things we used to laugh about aren't quite so funny anymore. Well, I mean, it is. I want to agree with you and disagree with you at the same time because I feel like that type of behavior should have never been acceptable, but I certainly understand what you mean. Like in the uh, world of being a rom-com back then, you know, that was something that we'd laugh at because then obviously she's the air horn. They made it comical, but um, if, uh, which is actually a great thing. If anyone tries to force themselves on you, just use an air horn and make them deaf because they deserve it. Right. Right, right. I agree. <laughs> no, this is perfect. I'm glad that you uh, mentioned this, and I'm sorry that my phone decided to be the way it was at that moment, but I certainly think that, and I love that your mother uh, loved this movie so much. She, my mom was like the queen of romantic comedies, <laughs> and not like all mothers. Like She was just like, oh, let's watch it, and still when I come over, she's like, let's put on this movie, and I'm like, mom, we've seen it 10 million times, and she's like, yeah, but let's see it 10 million in one. No, see, for my mom, it was all about sex in the city. So, uh, no, okay, this is where we cut off the podcast. Okay, Tia <laughs> has an obsession with Sex in the City, and ever since we've been friends, she would always, I'd be like, this is a life event happening, or she'd have a life event happening, and she's like, you know what that reminds me of? This episode of Sex in the City. And I was like, oh, no. But now I've accepted it. I enjoy it now. You should, because it's a great show and there are plenty of um, life lessons to be had in it. <laughs> I wanted to go dang Yankees in your New York City, your new found gold uh, city. What? <laughs> uh, I was just making a joke that all New Yorkers are obsessed with sex in the city. Um, with that, I'm going to move on to the <laughs> All right, so great uh, pick, Brittany. I'm going to pick the number nine, and it is going to be a classic here, and it is going to be 10 Things I Hate About You. Did you ever see this oh, movie, Oh, girl. Was that a yes? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, that was on my list. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Keep going. I love it. So, 10 Things I Hate About You obviously stars the late and great Keith Ledger along with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And the whole plot is that uh, Joseph Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, uh, which his name, just I love him, but it's too many words. (laughs) But, you know, he has a crush on this girl who has a very overprotective father. And the whole deal is that the girl doesn't get to date unless her older sister also starts dating. But her older sister is one of those girls that is very, like, she's very off-putting. She's very, uh, like, I was looking at gifts the other day, 
And there's ones where uh, the dad is like, oh, have you made anyone cry today? And she's like, unfortunately, no, but it's only 4.30. So if you can imagine, she is not often the type of girl that guys would be so easy to approach. And obviously it's like, oh, this is going to be such a hard thing. But uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt ends up paying Heath Ledger's character, who Heath Ledger is kind of the bad boy in this movie. You know, they say that, like, oh, he did a year in jail and yada, yada. And at first, things are very um, uh, Heath Ledger. And, gosh, I don't remember who the main actress was, which is terrible because I love this movie. But, um, Brittany, if you can actually look that up for me, that would be awesome. But um, they end up butting heads at first, but then, of course, in all romantic comedies, they end up actually finding that they are perfect for each other. And then, of course, we have the moment where she finds out that, you know, what seems like maybe a sporadic, uh, you know, that she thought that it was spontaneous that Heath Ledger's character ended up trying to court her pretty much, but in fact it started with being paid, but then Heath Ledger's character ended up actually genuinely liking her. You have, of course, that drama going a little on it, and what the whole movie is even called, 10 Things I Hate About You, is a poem that she ends up writing for one of their classes, because they're in high school, and the whole, you know, poem is just how she hates how much she actually really likes him and how this information and this reveal hurt her because she really ended up liking him. And they don't worry, everyone, spoiler alert, they get together at the end, so it's all good. And the younger sister ends up not being with the douchebag that she originally wanted to be with but ends up being with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, who is the good guy in this. So it is just a classic when you hear about romantic comedies. I think it probably was the first movie that I saw Heath Ledger in and absolutely fell in love with him. And it's just a good movie because I was kind of like that, you know, punky little girl who didn't want to be the pretty girl and, you know, be like all the other little girls in high school. So I was like, I identify with her. She was able to find her guy. I want to be able to find my guy. And it was just like every little, every every teenager who listened to like Joan Jett and like punk music as opposed to like the poppy girls wanted to kind of be like her in this movie. So that's why I have to pick 10 Things I Hate About You. I love it. Um, Brittany, as you said, it was on your list, so please tell me your feelings about it and also um, if you found out what the main actress's name was in this. It was uh, Julia Stiles. That, do you know what's so funny? As I was, like, saying it to you, I was like, I feel like her first name started with Julia. <laughs> I, I know. I, I was, like, looking through I was like, man, I know that name. I was like, that can't be her. And then I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely her. No, um, you know, we focused on uh, Kat and, you know, Heath Ledger's character in it. But Joseph, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, say it in fast forward, uh, he was so tiny and young in that movie. Like, like I watched it the other day, like, not the other day, but a while back. And I was sitting there, I was like, man, he looks so familiar. I was like, who is that? Looked at I was like, no, that's not <laughs> Joseph Gordon. Because I look at him, he's so tiny and he's so small. He, he's like a Peter Parker. 
But, uh, someone, but um, no. Someone made a meme one time. I'm sorry to cut you off, but, you know, Heath Ledger obviously went on to be the Joker and Joseph Gordon-Levitt was, uh, you know, pretty much Robin in The Dark Knight Rises. So it was like the Joker and Robin in a romantic comedy. I know. That is interesting. As you said that, I was like, wait, that was the same movie, wasn't it? But, uh, no, I, I love it. I love all the silliness in it. I love... um the part where you know and it's still like i like when romantic comedies do keep some like serious moments but like where uh the reason cat hated that one guy so bad and why she became the way she was when she used to be you know more popular and you know be a little more gentle but you you learn that she's just not it's not just that she's being a jerk it's like certain things have made her this way but uh Whenever he sings on the bleachers is still my favorite part of that movie. Me too. Oh, God, that was great. I mean, first of all, just to see Heath Ledger like that and also the um, the extent that he would go to just to kind of make this work. It's like for someone who was initially paid to do this, he really put in the extra effort. Oh, no, no, I think it's great, Anna, but I still cry whenever she's reading the poem, and oh, no. uh, she starts breaking down while reading it. I was like, I don't, I came here to laugh and not to feel. <laughs> exactly, when she starts breaking down during that, I was like, oh, because I hated when she found out that he was paid for it, you know? Um, I keep right. thinking of I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, no, I was just agreeing. I love the part where they kind of go, like, it's not like paintballing. Aren't they just, like, throwing, like, paint bags at each other? But I love that scene so much between them because it's like, oh, they're legitimately having fun. And it's, you know, it's it's a first date that's worthy of these two characters. No, I love it. I love that she's so artsy. But, you know, I do notice that around the time period that that movie came out, it was very like you had the you had the hipster artsy girl, like you know back when the shows had so many clicks, and it was like that we showed like oh the popular girl, the jock, the emo, the goth, and then it was like you have the artsy, and I realized that a lot of the movies followed like the artsy girl becoming like the main character because that's how it was and she's all that too and also in not another teen movie <laughs> oh my gosh you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna keep leading it back to that three things about tia netflix marvel cancellation um uh, her um Oh, I can't remember the second, but the also is uh not another teenage movie. Oh, your second Sex in the City. Exactly, exactly. No, I mean, I, as you said, it followed like the artsy girl and all of that. But I like there's a scene between her and her younger sister where, um, you know, Kat is like, oh, I don't care what other people think about me, and the younger sister's like, yes, you do, and it's like kind of like, you know, we all looked at the younger sister like oh this is just kind of like the ditzy like popular girl and yada yada and it's like no like she had some like you know um moments to her as well that were more fleshed out 
My my favorite still is where the dad makes her put on the belly, and she's like, no, oh no. And I'm like, but fair point, fair point. There you go. I, the dad was hilarious because he was just a single dad with two daughters who just was trying to somehow keep above water, and he his biggest fear is, like, she better not get pregnant. <laughs> I know, I know. I was like, it's not just the boys. It's what comes with the boys. Exactly. <laughs> no, that was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I love Ten Things I Hate About You. It's such a good movie, and just you know, it's funny. It's like you don't really set, uh, see like Julia Stiles anymore in anything, but she was really popular. She was in um that movie, and then also that movie where she was like dancing and everything it's like she was pretty popular around that time and i don't see her pretty much in anything anymore i know i think of her name a lot unless there's someone that has a similar sounding name to hers but then when i sit and think i was like man i haven't seen her face in a long time no because she was in like every like late 90s early 2000 movie (laughs) that's why because she was in all of them and then suddenly she disappeared off the face of the earth Great. No, sure. That oh uh, does get me thinking. That's going to be you as a parent. You're like, before you leave, put on the belly. I mean, I could make a joke that they should probably do that more down where you live, but I don't want to get Bruh. caught from our. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> uh, you know what? After the show, it, it's on. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's move on. Uh, let's get to number eight. And Brittany, it's back to you. You're gonna. I'm gonna go with uh, my favorite, even though it could be higher up. I do think there is ones that are are ones that are better than this one. I love Pretty Woman. You know how oh, much I love Pretty God. Woman. <laughs> So the original Edward, I, I like how uh, that was one thing with Twilight. It's like, oh, dark, mysterious uh, Edward, and it's like, yeah, you kind of got that in Pretty Woman. But Pretty Woman leads into uh, Edward is a very, very rich man that buys companies, and he uh, he ends up he's bored and he has no luck with women. He has trouble falling in love because he is a cold, cold, sad man. Well, he ends up meeting a prostitute, Vivian, who you find out, you know, it's like she's just been given a bad hand in life, falling in love with the wrong people, and she's more of a recent prostitute just to keep her head above water. Well, she ends up, uh, he wants help finding, I think he's trying to find Beverly Hills, and uh, ends up, you know, she helps him. She ends up propositioning him, and he ends up accepting. But there's so many good parts where it has the serious undertones, but also the funny ones, like how much she loves I Love Lucy, or uh, the scene where uh, she gets turned away at this fancy boutique, even though that he gave her a ton of money to be able to buy a nice dress for this dinner they're going to. And then whenever she comes back with all the clothes, then she was like, big mistake huge or and like walks off and they're like oh because she's saying oh you work off a commission and they don't even recognize her but that's the uh the justice you get from it 
but uh, you know, they fall in love with one another. It is good because she, you know, she's finding out that she wants more from life than just like, oh, because he's basically like, oh, I'll put you up in an apartment and I'll come and visit every now and then, and you don't have to work or do anything. It's just basically like keeping her like a pet in the apartment and she discovers she wants more and he discovers he wants more with her and just like the cute funny moments and you know there's the famous scene where he uh opens up the necklace in the box and she goes to reach out because it's so beautiful and he closes it right before her fingers can reach it and it scares her is it was actually uh improvised there in the sheer terror and the laughter you hear from her is actually real because she didn't know she was gonna he was gonna do that to her but yes i love I, that movie i know that you love pretty woman <laughs> You know, it's just so is, good. Like, the thing is, is like I've never been like the biggest fan of this movie, just because I'm just not the biggest fan of Julia Roberts. But I feel like um, everyone has wanted to have that moment in Pretty Woman with the boutique, you know, where she comes yes. in and where it's like, oh, you thought that you could talk down to me because you thought I was like lesser than you. Well, guess what? Now I'm in the position and. I'm never taking my business here. So it's like everyone has that type of moment that they want uh, in life. Oh, definitely. Where you're like, uh, especially, uh, you know, we don't have it as much here because of, uh, well, I guess I think the closest I've come to it is whenever I I went into this shop in a nice part of North Little Rock where uh, the mall is very, like, almost gate-kept, and picking up a T-shirt, just a regular soft T-shirt. I'm going, huh, I wonder how much this is. And it was 150 bucks. And I looked at it, looked at the lady, and just, like, walked out, and I was like, this is this is horrible, horrible, horrible. I don't know why. I almost had one of those moments, like, years ago. Um, the company isn't in business anymore, which is, like understandable it's it was this uh business where they made like ultra luxury phones like the phones were like made out of like crocodile skin and real leather and blah 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 and like the and I remember I was in uh New York City for an interview and I was just kind of then like walking around afterwards before hopping on the subway to go back home and I walked in and I was looking and when I saw like one of them was about $10,000 and like the people oh are trying God. to talk and the people are trying to talk to me giving me like pamphlets and everything telling me like about how you know people like Jay-Z have these type of phones and everything and I was like uh-huh yeah I'm gonna take this pamphlet and I'm gonna leave now and then I left and I was like threw the pamphlet out because I was like never am I gonna spend ten thousand dollars on a freaking cell phone <laughs> but yeah Pretty Woman definitely is synonymous with romantic comedies I mean I think it was one of the like probably one of the most iconic movies um, ever. And it Julia Roberts certainly, you know, played that part. And, you know, I forget who was the, the actor in it. Was it Richard Gere? Is that who it is? Yes. I, I love that man. You know <laughs> I love that man. He's in Chicago too. Yes, yes. So I feel like everyone just, 
loves Pretty Woman, and you can't have a list of romantic comedies without Pretty Woman being on there. And it's like, again, I think that every girl at some point in her life kind of wanted that moment where, um, and it sounds, sorry, see, this is my problem with it. You know that this is my problem with it, Brittany, where it's like a woman getting, a, you know, a new lot in life because of a man. And I'm like, oh, God, it's killing me on the inside. But I know that that's something that every girl has, you know, imagined for herself at some point in their life. I think what makes me okay with it is that she could have taken the handout from him, but she decided she never finished high school. And she's like, you know what? I want to be rich on my own. I don't want you to pay for everything. I'm going back to school. And she she was like trying to go back home to like finish school so she could be okay on her own. So it had a, it had a happy ending because that was the whole main point is that she didn't want it all from him. Right, exactly. So you know what? It's better. It's better in my soul right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to defend this uh, movie for the rest of my life. I have a feeling that next time we see each other, you're going to force me to watch Pretty Woman. Oh, it's on. It's very much going to happen. I'm sorry. I apologize, but I also don't apologize. It's perfectly okay. And I accept it as the number eight spot on this list. So, good job, Brittany. Thank you, girl. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I am going to hit the number seven slot, and I'm going to pick one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time. And I really hope that you have seen this, Brittany, Um, but it's going to be The Wedding Singer. Oh, man. I've seen it once, once when I was 12. Oh, my God, my heart hurts just hearing that. (laughs) Listen, I love The Wedding Singer. You have Adam Sandler and uh, Drew Barrymore in this movie. And for anyone who's seen it, let's talk about it again. But it is so 80s, by the way. I love how freaking 80s it is. And you have Adam Sandler as a wedding singer, which is what it's even called, right? And he's recently been, he himself was supposed to get, and yes, I hear uh, police sirens in the background, so I'm sorry for anyone who hears that as well. Every Sunday, right, Brittany? I did say, maybe you should stop, you should stop breaking the law. Maybe they won't come after you every time. <laughs> Oh, the only law I'm breaking right now is talking about how good this movie is. But um, Adam Sandler plays a wedding singer who is supposed to get married himself, and his uh, fiance decides to break off the marriage. And he then um, becomes the wedding singer for Drew Barrymore, who is engaged to an absolute tool. Like, I don't know if they used that type of word back then, but he was a tool, <laughs> right? <laughs> because she. So she was so nice and so sweet, and he just was running around, cheating on her all the time, being an absolute douchebag, and Adam Sandler knew about this. He wanted better for her, and I'll never – I love the scene where um, it's getting close to the wedding, and she's in her wedding dress just staring at at herself, and she's reciting her name and what her new last name is going to be, which her fiancé's last name is Gulia, and the whole joke is Julia Gulia. But she's sitting there, and she's 
and she's trying to recite her last, you know, she's like Julia Gulia, Julia Gulia, and she's starting to tear up because she's realizing how much she hates the idea of marrying this guy. And then she starts saying Adam Sandler's character's last name, which I forget what it is right now, but, and she starts smiling. But then uh, things kind of don't work out between the two of them. And she decides that instead of having this big, uh, this big wedding that her and her fiance are just going to go to Las Vegas and they're going to get married like that. And Adam Sandler ends up on the same plane as her and he's telling the whole first class uh, section about this woman and Billy Idol is there and they're all like, you know, oh man, you got to go and find this woman. You got to like, you know, uh, make sure that you, you get with her and she doesn't marry this guy. And then the best is that this flight attendant comes into the first class and says that there's a jerk in the coach passengers who asked her if she just wanted to join the Mile High Club. And he recognizes that that's them. And with the help of the first class and Billy Idol, he ends up singing the song that, you know, about growing old with Julia. And Julia realizes that he's there on the plane and this is the man that she wants to be with. And the best thing is like uh, the fiance trying to get to him and everyone blocking him from getting to Adam Sandler and even Billy Idol, you know, does that. And he, uh, he, the fiance is like, get out of my way, you asshole or something like that. And some fan like stands up and he's like, no one talks to Billy Idol that way. And it's just so Oh, my great. gosh, I do remember that scene. I remember yeah. that scene. Like, I will say his last name was Hart. So it would Hart. have been Julia Hart. And that's why it exactly. does sound ten times better. Exactly. And so they get together in the end. It's wonderful, obviously. And that is why it's just – I just love this movie so much that, you know, again, it. I even um, – Yesterday, when I was making up my list, I was trying to see, like, what was on, like, any sort of streaming service for me to watch, and The Wedding Singer is not available on any of them, and I really wanted to watch it yesterday, so I might just, like, give in and pay, like, the $2 to rent it and watch, but yeah, so enough of my blabbering. My number seven is The Wedding Singer, and I know, Brittany, that you've only seen it once, but based on maybe what you remember and what I said, like, what were your thoughts about this movie? I was going to say, I do very much remember, though, the scene where she's like, Julia, Julia, and starts crying. And it's, I think it's very much a case of, uh, you know, when people start crying over something little, and, uh, you know, obviously there's other things going on, and you think, oh, that's so silly. It's one little thing. And I think it was a good show of like what exactly was bothering her so bad or especially, uh, I do remember the, uh, the plane scene, it, but think about how awkward that would be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to leave my fiance with this other guy, but we're all trapped on a plane together. <laughs> Very awkward. Yeah, but, but it was it is romantic, but I look how romantic comedies are very good about, like, skipping over the awkward part. And I think that's why they're so fun, because sometimes you know how I stress over movies. It's kind of sometimes nice to be like, oh, yeah, this big bad thing that's happening, well, we can just glaze over it. Well, it was like, you know, they do show in the movie how the fiancé 
doesn't obviously like love her. He kind of views her more as say like a little bit of a trophy wife. And Adam Sandler's character is wanting to just really, you know, be with her and have this um, romantic connection. They do have so much more of a connection than she and her fiance do. And I'll remember that um, he does like wedding, not wedding, he does like singing lessons. And there's that old woman who pays him in meatballs, which is hilarious. Like, so he's just like this, like all around, like down to earth guy. (laughs) I remember, doesn't he have, like, a mullet or, like, a perm yes. or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, the, like, that's the most thing I remember about it is how, like, big his hair was. But I love Adam Sandler. I don't know what he's happened in more recent years, but he used to be so good. And every yeah. movie he was in was good, but now they're just bad. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, because if you think about, it, like, so many funny movies do include Adam Sandler, but they're all older, you know, The Wedding Singer, Billy Madison, um, you know, all of those. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, oh, which is another great film. But those are all older movies. And then the ones that he's come out with um, recently, just I don't like, but that's another conversation for another day. I just really love The Wedding Singer. I just think, and also it took place, like, in the 80s with, like, everyone, their hair, and you have Billy Idol, and you have, like, the one character who's dressed up as Boy George, and I'm just like, this is fabulous. (laughs) I love it when people play themselves in movies, because, you know, they have way more fun with it, getting to play this, like, role in something where it's like, yeah, I... (laughs) Don't talk to Billy Idol that way. <laughs> One day, um, the 80s will come back, and I'll end up looking like that, and I'll end up convincing Polly to grow long hair so that he, too, can have a mullet. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Tia. I, I, quick interjection. My little brother, you know, he's 16, and um, I see a lot of his friends, and some of them are growing mullets. They're trying to bring it back. I have met, like, three of them with bullets, and I'm like, no. And, you know, it's like I have a cosmetology license. I'm like, let me cut it. And they're like, no, it took so long to grow. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a victory. And to be honest, I don't feel like spending, like, two hours a day trying to tease my hair. You know me. I just put it up in a bun, and I'm like, done for the day. (laughs) Hey, at least you'll have to permit. That is true. That is true. It's uh, fuzzy and curly enough on its own. But um, The Wedding Singer will forever be one of my favorite romantic comedies. So that's why I'm going to put it at the number seven. And Brittany, I'm going to go back over to you for the number six. I'm going to have to go. I was sitting and looking at it because I couldn't remember the name of it. This is another movie my mother was obsessed with and I've watched a million times. But it has been a while, so I might be a little rusty explaining it. But The Wedding Date. Have you seen Mm. The Wedding Date before I go Mm. in and explain it? No, but please do. Listen, even if you've seen it, we have to explain for the audience. Remember. Uh, Oh, of course. But I just like to know if you know beforehand. So, but, uh, okay, The Wedding Date, which I'm going to make sure that I do have the title correct on that because I was, like, sitting trying to remember the name. But uh, it is The Wedding Date. It is about this woman who, um, she was very, her sister's getting married to, like, the love of her life, and she's supposed to be going, 
but one of the the best men is her ex fiance, and so she doesn't want to face him alone. But she has like no luck with love, and I think you know she. I think she lives in the city, and you know she's wealthy, but she's been going through all of this. She ends up hiring a. Um, I think he's an escort, but ends up spending a buttload of money to have him as a date. And when they meet up at the hotel or wherever they're staying, you know, she gives him the first part of the money and she's like, he's like, oh, you know, what do you want out of this? And she's like, oh, you know, I just want you to be my date. And he's like, well, you know, there can be other things. And I think basically she's like, no, 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 we're good. But (laughs) it's almost the theme of, you know, they're going through it. They're faking it. You know, uh, he's supposed to be her boyfriend. The family loves him. The sister loves him. Everybody just thinks he's so amazing, but you know he is like he's playing the part, and he you know he's going through it um he but you can tell he's not hardened, but you know he's played this this act for so long of like and he even explains it's not like a bad thing he meets plenty of lonely women and getting to give them companionship, but um he goes through they fall in love together but I think they have one part where he ends up like giving her all the money back because he just doesn't want it to be a transaction. But it's so good because the it, uh, and I think she's wanting to make her ex fiance also jealous, and it's definitely working where you can tell he really does want her back. But later on, you find out that the sister cheated with the ex fiance together. Mm. Yeah, so there's a whole big part there. But they do end up. Uh, there is a good scene where, when uh, when they end up finding this out, the uh, groom ends up chasing down the ex-fiance, and there's a whole chasing scene where uh, where even the guy drives up because I think he's supposed to be driving back to the airport. The guy that she hired, and he picks him up because he's just worn out from just running to try to catch and beat this man. But it, it's oh. a really good movie. There's a lot of silly parts, you know, or like. Uh, I think the guy is, like, really good at sports. I think it happens in, like, Britain. I think, actually, it happens in England, and they fly there. Because I think they're playing, like, cricket or something. I can't remember because it has been a while. (laughs) But they're playing. And normally the ex-fiance is so good at everything. But the wedding date, he's just, like, beating him at everything. He's better at everything. He's every way a better man than this man. And it's just so funny the sheer jealousy he's getting. And it's kind of like uh, you don't know what you have until you lose it type situation. But I do love the movie. They end up sleeping together in a boat outside. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's so funny because I think if I remember correctly, the boat isn't even on the water. I think that the house that they're staying in doesn't have, like, room. And so they end up, like, sleeping in the boat because there's beds in there but obviously the parents know that they slept together and they're like oh yeah it's fine because you know y'all uh y'all are dating and they're like uh because it's the first time they've had sex together because they're not actually (laughs) dating (laughs) so while you were um talking i did look the movie up and i do remember the trailer for this movie i didn't actually get to see it I remember the trailer for it. It has Deborah Messing in it, who um, is Grace from Will and Grace, another one of my favorite uh, sitcom shows of all time. 
so I do remember, like, the trailer for this pretty much. But, um, yeah, it's so funny because that was – I remember that that's kind of the whole thing is that at first she hires this guy but then ends up actually kind of liking him and stuff like that. So it definitely is a, a good romantic comedy in that sense because, obviously, that's kind of the um, – the formula, right? Like, as you said earlier, uh, two people who at first don't really like each other and blah, 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 and then, you know, or, you know, they have this whole little uh, kind of lie going on and then end up actually liking each other, which is hilarious because it's like they're supposed to be playing boyfriend and girlfriend, and, in fact, they're it's the first time that they're sleeping together and all of that, and it's like, oh, you know, now we're getting to actually like each other. Uh, I just always remember, like, I think it was interesting because, in, you know, normally in the romantic comedies, it normally is the man initiating it in some way for the movie to start, whether it be, oh, I'm going to convince this woman to like me enough so that I can change her, but it's for my benefit. But really, this starts with this woman that's like, hey, yo, I'm going to hire you to basically make my ex-fiance really jealous. That it's like, well, get it, girl. You got the money to do it, do it. Right? It's like, you know what? Like, F that guy, right? <laughs> right, right. But not literally. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and it's so funny because it's um, the sister was played by Amy Adams. So it's like you have these two big actresses in this movie, which kind of makes sense that they would play sisters. I mean, they both have that, like, uh, what is it called, that reddish, orangish hair that just kind of makes it believable. But, yeah, I'm I'm sorry that I've never seen this movie, but I definitely take your word for it that this is a good choice to put on this list. It's okay. You're good to me. No, joking. <laughs> no, no, but I do think that me and you need to watch this together when I come there. I think you would thoroughly enjoy it because he, if I remember correctly, he's a muscle daddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is a common term between Brittany and I when we are trying to describe a character. Um, uh, it's just it comes out very often for us. Yes, yes, but it, it just now, it's a good thing. It is a good thing, I would say so. As I said before, it's funny because it's, it's like I'm not the biggest fan of romantic comedies, so I think that's probably why, like, say I haven't seen things like uh, She's All That, Pretty Woman, The Wedding Date, um, but I all, like, it's funny, I tried to get uh, Paula to join us on this one, but she um, she's at church right now, so she's a huge fan of romantic comedies and I'm sure that she'd be like, Tia, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I know. I, I know if I'm like that, she would definitely be that way. Listen, I like dramas more. Like, you know, let's have it at the end that they don't get together and it's really sad. <laughs> you just like people to hurt. It's okay. You can admit yeah. it. 
Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But um, <laughs> no. <laughs> still, Brittany, I think that this is a great choice because I do remember the trailer for this. I do remember when they were promoting this movie. So I certainly think that it is a good one to be on the list for the top ten best romantic comedies. Do we agree? Should we be calling them romantic comedies or should we be calling them rom-coms? Uh, you know, I had that moment whenever I was trying to look up because, like you, I was sitting there like, hey, you know, what does constitute a romantic comedy? Because uh, because I also hear them called chick flicks, which my body oh, wants to deny it and be like, women aren't crazy about romantic comedies. And then I look at it and I'm like, I remember all the times my dad, my brothers, everybody else being like, please don't put that on. And me and mom were like, no. It has to happen. <laughs> to me, Except I the notebook. Like I will never watch the notebook again. I will I will never watch the notebook. Um to me it, it's funny, I'm gonna say something which uh a lot of so okay, I'm just gonna say it. It's emotionally manipulative that movie, which is how I've heard it be described for the show This Is Us. Like, on Luke Cage and iZombie, anytime they mention the show This Is Us, some character will go, it's emotionally manipulative. And I'm like, that's what the notebook is. <laughs> it manipulates my emotions, and I don't need that in my life. Right, right. Like, every time, like, uh, or, like, when guys are like, oh, I bet you like the notebook. And I'm like, oh, but two, and nobody likes just crying for the sake of crying. I mean, there is some people, but I'm not one of those people. Brittany, your phone connection kind of cracked on that moment. Can you repeat that? Oh, I was saying that um, I, I'm not one of those kind of people that just want to cry for the sake of crying and feel emotionally destroyed after a movie. Exactly, exactly. So, um, nope saying no to the notebook, but I want to laugh, so we'll say yes to rom-coms. But um, I'm going to gonna take the number five slot. And it's funny, I'm looking at my picks, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's like I have more picks than I have slots left. And I'm like, oh, what do I pick? I also don't know what you're going to pick. I guess I have backups, just in case you mentioned after this uh, one that I was going to put down. So... I'm going to pick, um, and I know that you've never seen this movie, so it's okay. I'll describe it for you. Um, I'm going to pick Moonstruck. Have you ever seen Moonstruck? I have not. I'm sorry. I'm a failure. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. I only hate you just a little. But (laughs) um, it's been a while since I've seen Moonstruck, so I might be butchering the explanation a little, but... So you have Cher, the Cher, as the main character in this movie, right? And she is dating this one guy, which it's like if you see the two of them, they so don't make sense for each other because this is going to sound bad, but it's like she's just so beautiful in this movie and she's younger and she's dating this older guy, but not like one of those like good looking older guys. Like, and, um, they're at this like, you know, restaurant or whatever. And he goes to propose to her because it's like his mother in Italy is dying. Right. And he's like, 
goes to propose to her for that reason, and he doesn't even have a ring. She's like, well, where's the ring? And he's like, I don't have a ring. And she was like, well, and he's like, well, give me your ring. And she's like, you want me to give you my ring so that you can propose to me? And he's like, yeah. And then she's like, well, are you going to get at least down on one knee? And he's like, but the suit <laughs> and the floor is dirty. Like, it's an absolute mess. So he ends up proposing and whatever. And because his mother isn't doing well, he goes back to Italy for that reason. And he has in a very estranged brother that the, uh, that Cher ends up tracking down. And the brother is played by Nicolas Cage. And the whole what? thing is, like, yeah, and the whole thing is, like, they're all very Italian, and Nicolas Cage's, like, uh, <laughs> Italian accent just kills me every time. And it's so ridiculous because he blames his brother because some sort of accent, because he's a bread maker. That's the thing. He makes bread. And some <laughs> accent happened years ago, and he blames his brother for it, but he lost his hand. He has a wooden hand. And the whole thing is like, he yells, he's like, I lost my hand. <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> but the two of them end up spending a lot of time with each other. And I just watched, there's this clip where, you know, they're obviously falling for each other. And Cher's like, nope, this is wrong. Like, um, you know, I'm going to marry your brother. And that's that. And he's like, why? You aren't happy with him you would be happy with me. And she was like, no, this is, I'm playing it safe pretty much. Like you're kind of all over the place, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'll show you the clip. But he's like, he's like, I want you to, you know, do this. And he's like, and I want you to come upstairs with me and get in my bed. And she's just like looking at him like, yeah, that's what I want too. And so they end up, you know, with each other, whatever. And you have this like subplot too of, um, you know, the family and all that. Like, there's so many, like, good parts that I'm, like, not able to describe properly because I haven't seen the movie in so long, but there's this one scene that kind of always reminds me of Polly because it's, like, this big Italian family, and they're all sitting down for dinner, and the, uh, like, grandpa is constantly feeding the dogs, like, the food that his wife made, and she's like, if you feed my food to those dogs one more time, old man. Like, it's just so hilarious. But, um, long story short, the brother that that she's supposed to marry, right, the fiancé comes back, and they're all kind of together in the kitchen, and pretty much at that point, Cher, like, reveals that she doesn't want to be with him anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then at that point, Nicholas Cage goes to proposed to share but he doesn't have a ring so he asks his brother uh, for the ring to propose and everyone and like you could see the original brother that she was supposed to marry is so confused but then her family just like pretty much sticks a glass of champagne in his hand and she they're like be happy <laughs> like, and that's like kind of the movie so I know that I did a complete like I did such a terrible job and I butchered it, but it is so much funnier than I'm even describing it as because it's like, you know, the whole thing is, if I can remember, is that she was married once before and the um, the husband died. And so, like, that's the big thing. Like, Nicolas Cage pretty much tells her, like, you know, you waited for 
the right man the first time. Why aren't you waiting for him again? And she's like, well, he didn't come pretty much. And that's why I'm marrying this guy. It's safe. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's established. He makes money, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my family thinks it's a good idea. And that's why she's kind of like marrying him. But it's like, no, like you obviously have this connection with Nicolas Cage's character and yada, yada. So that's how it goes. So even though it's like, oh, that's, kind of messed up but you know in the context of the movie it's like one of the best like romantic comedies and it it, it, it came out in like the 80s so Cher is just looking beautiful in this movie I was looking at the picture I was like dang I was like even Nicolas Cage looks good but I was like right Cher you're getting it she got the big old hair the mm-hmm. smoky eye makeup I was like holy moly but you know, as you're explaining this, I've never seen this movie, but I'm remembering some of the uh, parts that you're talking about, like where they just put the champagne in his hand and they're like, oh, I'll be happy. While he's just looking utterly confused. <laughs> oh, yeah, the guy is just so, like, out of his element. Like, I love the scene in the restaurant where he's, like, trying to talk about proposal, And the whole thing is, like, because his mother is dying and that you know, blah, 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 I forget what the whole thing with that is, but it connects directly to that, like, either he has to propose because she's dying, but they can't get married yet until she dies, or something like that, and just the whole, like, him, like, okay, will you marry me type thing, and she's like, where's the ring? Why aren't you getting down on one knee? And he has, like, every excuse in the book as to why he isn't doing any of that. I was going to say, I just saw a message from your mother saying that Cher won an Oscar for that. Oh, my gosh. Well, Mom, since you're listening, I don't have my Wi-Fi connected right now, so I can't get your messages. But, yeah, she did win an Oscar for it. I do remember that. And it's just such a good movie. I'll definitely put it on next time you're here just because, as you said, like, there's so many iconic moments. Again, Nicholas Cage going, I lost my hand! And he literally is wearing, like, a wooden hand the whole movie. I was gonna say, we should make, we'll make it a date. We'll go to Dunkin' Donuts, get coffee donuts, and watch romantic comedies. <laughs> Especially classics, because who doesn't love a young Cher? I do. I do. (laughs) So that's going to be my number five is Moonstruck. And you'll appreciate it, Brittany. It's very Italian. So, you know. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know my love of the Italians. (laughs) I was like, uh, when my uh, DNA test came back and it was like, you are 0.1, because it changed. It was 0.8. But uh, you are point one not point one it was like point two or something uh, percent italian i'm like is that enough am i part of the family now I know. <laughs> no um but <laughs> oh, <girl. laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so that is my pick for the number five. And Brittany, I know that you haven't seen it, so we'll move right along with the number four and give me your uh, number four for the best romantic comedy. I'm going to butcher explaining this story because okay. it is something I've seen with you, but I know you love this movie so much, you're going to be able to help me along for it. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Ah, oh, that was on my list. I'm glad I have backups. <laughs> oh, girl, you're going to have to help me on later on, because I've been looking through, but no, I love that movie. Um, I remember when I came and saw you, and I was like, oh, I've never seen that movie, and you're like, Brittany, 
we can't exist another moment in our friendship without having seen it together. And I do not regret seeing this movie. I never got what, when you used to explain about the, uh, there are two types of people, the Greek and people who wish they were Greek. But it's such a fun movie. I love, uh, what, what is the uh, daughter's name, the main character's name? Oh, God. Um, I forgot. We'll, <laughs> we'll just call her main character. Where it's like, you know, she's going through the business. Everybody's just so happy working at this restaurant and, you know, having children, getting married. And she's like, I want to go to school. But I love when she's, like, afraid to, like, talk about it or, like, make it to the dad. And they're like, oh, you got to make it seem like it's his idea. Because I love that even though, you know, it's like, oh, the man of the household. And it's like, no, 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 no. The woman makes the decisions, which I always thought was so funny. Like, the way that they just manipulated him into thinking, like, oh, her going to school would be a good idea. Getting a computer would be a good idea. All of this would be a good idea. And you thought of it. You're so smart. <laughs> but the main, the main character's name is Tula. Tula. I, I remember now because I always thought it was such a cool name. But uh, I love that, you know, it's like she's not just happy doing that. She wants to be able to do other things while, her, you know, her family wants to just get married and have children and work at the restaurant forever. I love that she falls in love with the, it's the guy. The guy is Jewish, right? And they're Catholic. No, is that it's it? that, um, no, it's that they're like a Greek Orthodox Catholic and his family is like a Protestant type of uh, Christian. Oh, okay, okay. But yes, whenever they're like, basically, he, like, this man is doing everything to be with her. He converts, he's, like, following their customs, he's learning about it, and, you know, he's very white bread, and they're Greek, and they're just, like, so disapproving of him at first, but how they just warm up to him. It's just such a cute movie that I feel like we need to rewatch it together. I could watch that movie about three times over. And then the, the even the sequel was really good. I don't think it was as good as the first one, but it was very good. So my big fat Greek wedding is amazing in the retrospect. And I remember my mom said this, and other people have said it too, that even though it's called my big fat Greek wedding, it's like it can be applied to like any just big family, whether you're Italian, Spanish, you know, um, Albanian, whatever, if you have, like, a big family that's loud and very, like, in each other's faces, it's so completely relatable. And Tula, who, you know, grew up kind of, you know, as an outsider because they're Greek and they're very, like, deeply rooted into their old customs, and you see her being in a in a school, right, and, like, all these, like, girls are eating, like, sandwiches, and she brings out this container, and they're, like, what's that, and she's, like, it's moussaka, and they're, like, moussaka, and it's, like, she's always, and Tula's always felt, like, you know, just kind of, like, and she's very much the, quote-unquote, ugly duckling, right, she's, I think, like, 30-something, never had a boyfriend, whatever, and her sister's married, has kids, you know, blah, 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 and she meets Ian, and Ian is, as you said, very, like, his family is very white bread, but they end up falling in love. They end up, you know, dating each other because she is slowly becoming, you know, more what she wants to be. She goes back to school and 
I love that scene, Brittany, you know, because her mother says, you know, men may be the head of the household, but the woman is the neck, you know, uh, directing him to where he's supposed to go. And as you said, the scene where it's like, oh, Kula should go to school. Kula should get a computer. And they're like, yes, you're so smart. Why didn't we ever think of that? And it's like so amazing. But I do love um, when she first says that she wants to go to school and the dad's like, why are you leaving me? And it's like, oh, my God. Um, so dramatic. <laughs> go ahead, sorry. So much with that, like, you know, why, like, was going back to school, why are you leaving me, why are you doing this to me, and I'm like, I, I feel it, I feel it on an emotional level, it's not that way now, but I feel that. No, and it's amazing, because she meets Ian, and they want to get married, and as you said, he is literally jumping through hoops, right? He gets converted. He does all this thing. He's okay with having it in this type of church, in this type of venue, at this type of day. And obviously he brings his parents to meet Tula's parents. And Tula thought it was just the parents, but it's the whole freaking family. And Tula's like, Mom, why are you doing this? And she's and the mom's like well, if she if they're gonna meet, you know, us, they might as well meet everyone else. And at first, the father is so opposed to it because he's like, you know, they're so they're like toast, you know, they're so dry, they're so bland. But even you see, um, at the wedding, the uh, the Ian's parents kind of loosening up and they're you know taking shots of uzu and they're talking with the aunt who was so hilarious. Where uh, what does she say? Um, when she's like, Ian, come over to my house, you know, I'll make you this and that. And Tula's like, oh, Ian's a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. And the aunt's like, you don't eat no meat. That's okay. I make lamb. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) But the great thing about that movie really also is towards the end, like, first of all, like, as Tula kind of, like, realizes how much she appreciates her family. Like, even when they're about to go into the reception and she asks uh, Ian, like, because Ian's like, oh, I had this big zit, right? I'm like, can you hear me still? Yeah. Okay. Um, when Ian's like, oh, yeah, I had this big zit uh, this morning. And she's like, well, it's not there now. What'd you do? And he's like, oh, I put some Windex on it, which is what her dad always did. He just put Windex oh, no. on it. And then... um. At the end of the movie, when the father gives the speech about, you know, how he always tries to, like, bring everything back to a Greek root word, and he pretty much says that, like, they're, you know, oranges, and Ian's last name is, like, apples. He's like, but, yes, so you have oranges and you have apples, but in the end, we're all just fruit. You know, and just kind of, like, you know, showing, like, this. And it's, like, that's so beautiful, and then they get them the house. And that was the greatest thing. They buy them a house, right? But the house is directly right next to the parents' house. <laughs> that makes me think of some shit my parents would do. But like, oh, this is great. It's right next to us. Not only is it right next to us, it's actually in addition to our own home. And we can visit you whenever we want. <laughs> Oh, so, oh God, I'm so happy that you picked my big fat Greek wedding because it is one of the best romance. It's one of the best, like, 
romantic comedies, but also like family comedies, just because of how that all goes. Because it really is like the family, right? Because everything was fine between Tula and Ian. You know, nothing. They never really had like a bad moment together. But it was just like the whole thing with the family, and you're like, is this actually going to work between the two of them? And like Tula was so nervous that her family would put Ian off and he was like no I love this this is amazing no now I want to watch it again can we watch it again yes absolutely it was just such a good movie and I love that you put it on there because it's just one of the best like romantic comedies of all time my big fat creek wedding and as you said the second one was pretty good as well like would I say that it's as good as the first one? No, but they hardly ever are. But it wasn't like, oh, God, this is terrible. They all just did this just for a paycheck. I was like, you know what? I legitimately enjoy this. Now I want to watch it again. I want to watch the sequel. I want to go get Greek food <laughs> because, as it said, they're the Greeks and people who wish they were Greek. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just so good. I loved uh Tula's, like, brother and cousins who would always try and mess with Ian and teach him Greek, and in reality, he's saying, like, really, like, profanities, you know, and it, it was just so good. Oh, man, makes me think of when I was learning Spanish from the guys I was working with, only to discover they are all horrible, horrible curse words. <laughs> You know what, that, I guess, is the uh, the beauty of knowing another language. You can mess with people. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly, exactly. But, um, Brittany, great choice with this one. Um, I want to watch now my Big Fat Creek wedding again. I, you you definitely need to, but I'm excited for your next pick. Have you decided which one you're wanting to do? Oh, yes, I was just blabbing on about my big factory flooding sorry about that but um so since you picked that i do have a good backup and it's a recent movie actually that i absolutely just love because it was just such a good movie it's a netflix movie actually so it is called always be my maybe and i don't know if you've ever I don't know if you've seen this one, Brittany, but I'm sure I've talked your ear off about it before. I have seen it. I have seen it. I watched oh, okay. it very recently. Oh, it wasn't it so good. Like, I loved the whole thing about how the two of them um, became friends because they were, like, neighbors, essentially, and the um, the young girl, her, like, parents weren't often around, so she was always kind of with um you know, him and, like, his mother and stuff like that, and she learned to, you know, cook and all of that, and it was just so good and how they were friends, and then, you know, they got to that age where they were, like, teenagers and everything, so they obviously, you know, became romantically involved, but then went their separate ways, and now they're reunited after all these years. She's originally engaged and, like, screw that guy for tossing her aside, but, um, you know, and they they kind of, like, seem, seemingly rekindle their romance. Like, remember that his, uh, and God, I, I'm so terrible that I forget their names in the movie, but the main character, he his father was like, oh, I always thought that you two were so good together and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, 
you know, it doesn't work out that way. And the infamous scene, well, not the infamous, the famous scene where they're at the restaurant, right, because he is actually dating someone. So they go to the restaurant because she has announced that she has a new boyfriend. And it's none other than Keanu freaking Reeves, who who plays an absolute tool in this movie. And it is hilarious on every single level. So, I mean, you know, long story short, they end up back together again. Um, She ends up kind of having now a better relationship with her parents. She ends up opening up a new restaurant, and the new restaurant is essentially an homage to um, his mother, who really just kind of kicked off everything with her love of cooking. And because remember, the whole thing was that um, she had a restaurant, and but it was so modern, it wasn't really traditional at all. And I remember them getting into an argument about that. So when she opens up, like her new restaurant, it's very like traditional Korean and just such a homage to his mother. And it's just so cute. I love the movie. I know that you've seen it as well, Brittany. So I'm going to let you also kind of explain it and just tell us your feelings about always be my maybe. I just say, I love Keanu Reeves being in there. That literally was the best part. Cause it's so goofy <laughs> and like off the cuff that you're just like, did that really just happen? But uh, also whatever they meet and like, um, like before she, uh, they actually meet one another and she's like talking about how great the sex is and going oh like God. explicit. And he's like, oh, God. But it was, like, right when he was trying to admit that he loved her or, like, admit his feelings. And yes. she's like, oh, wait. And she's like, I'll go first. You know, I'm dating this guy. And it's, like, so great. And he's just like, oh, no. And uh, <laughs> and I love that the girl he's dating at the time is also, like, obsessed with Keanu Reeves. And, like, Keanu Reeves can do no bad. And she doesn't care about anything except what Keanu Reeves says is cool. But, uh, no, I love it. I also love, you know, it did get serious where, uh, you know, basically his parents raised her because her parents were always working. And whenever the mom passes away and, you know, she's like, oh, you know, that really affected me too. And it's like, yeah, but she wasn't your mom. I was like, that's such a douche thing to say, but it's so sad. And, you know, he's just striking out because he's upset and everything. But still, it's hard when you think about, they're older and he hasn't much done with anything with his life because he thinks, oh, I need to take care of my dad. But then you find out the dad's dating someone. (laughs) I love that when the dad is like, you don't need to take care of me. I'm fine. Don't let me be the reason why you're held back in life. Yeah, it's like, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) No, I love that. Like, so I'm looking because I want to give like, proper like shout out so um the movie actually was written by the main actress who is Ali Wong who plays Sasha and the main guy is uh Randall Park and he plays Marcus I just wanted to kind of uh give them both you know their their dues there but um yeah I I did love that I love that scene where she is saying how much, uh, where Sasha is saying how much it hurt her to lose Marcus's mother. And Marcus is like, but she wasn't your mother. And that was 
so amazing. I did love um, Sasha reuniting kind of with her parents. You know, she took them uh, to essentially the red carpet for her new restaurant. And that was so nice, you know, because, it's you know, the whole movie, we almost kind of, I don't want to say dislike her parents because we didn't really see them, but we're kind of like, oh, well, that's, you know, kind of messed up. You left this young girl to really kind of fend for herself, but finding out that they were just working all the time and her essentially, you know, coming to terms with that because she's also working all of the time. And that's just so great. And I love how Marcus, um, you know, pulls himself up. up, Oh, God, hang on. The scene that kills me is the scene where Marcus is getting this, like, newfound confidence. He goes into that one store to get a suit, and he's like, I know Keanu Reeves. And they're like, you know, oh, okay, here, here's the suit. Here's some champagne. And he's like, how much is it? And they're like, it's $12,000. And he's like, take it off, take it off, take it off. And he, like, (laughs) runs out. I love that part. I was going to say, um, wait, like, backtracking to the parents right quick, it's like when you find out they had been paying their own money to go and see her and not just getting, like, the free tickets because they wanted to see her so bad, even though she didn't want to see them. And you know that, like, oh, they're trying so hard and they're at a better point in their life where they can do those things. And you're just like, oh. But also I love what he's like, take it off, take it off. And didn't she compliment him later, like, oh, your suit's nice. And he's like, thanks. It was like 100 bucks. Yes, <laughs> because the whole thing was that um, he felt so out of place when they went to that really rich restaurant where they met Keanu Reeves because he didn't really have anything expensive and he was feeling very out of place. Like, um. And then I believe that they went to one event where he was wearing a suit and, you know, they were all kind of taking pictures of her and they kind of like the paparazzi and they really wanted her, they really wanted him, Marcus, to be out of the picture. And he was like, I don't want to just be here holding your bag pretty much. And so I think at the end of the movie is when he's like, may I hold your bag? And, and doesn't he end up, he ends up following his own dreams finally and finally getting what he yeah. wants. And I love those movies where people decide like, hey, we want to keep our careers good, but we also want to love one another, but we also not going to give up one or the other. No, I did love that. I love that aspect because, you know, what was great is that um you could have had it where she decides not to move because the whole thing is he's like, why don't you just stay here? And she's like, no. I'm going to go to New York City. I'm going to open up my restaurant. I'm going to follow my dreams. I'm not going to just stay here and give all of that up. And I love that because I really thought I was going to go in that direction where she was like, oh, I love you. I'm going to stay here for you and everything and give all that up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I love that she, like, stayed on that. So that was, like, really good to me, and that was, like, really important to kind of see. But, um, yeah, I – absolutely love this movie so much. I thought that um, Ali Wong and Randall Park had such great chemistry together. And I th- I know we keep saying this after like every single movie, but because this movie's on Netflix and it's the most accessible, I think I'm going to watch this movie at some point today. Yeah, please do. I may have to watch it too after I get off work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You're working today. So, all right. Cool. I know. Uh, 
Um, all right, so with that, let's uh, move on to the number two, um, which is, uh, oh, my God, why am I, like, rhyming all of a sudden? Move on to number two, and Brittany, it's all for you. Oh, my God, I need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, clever, though, girl. I'll take it. Are you channeling some Riddler? Yeah, <laughs> get it, girl. <laughs> girl. Um, I'm gonna go with this one just because it makes me laugh, but it actually is legitimately a romantic comedy, and it's the Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Which, it, by the way, before you go any further, has Randall Park in it. Remember, he played the agent who really wants to learn magic. Oh yes, yes, yes. I I just love that movie because whenever people are like, it's going to be like the first superhero romantic comedy. And I was like, I don't get it. And I'm like, oh, no, I get it. Because it's <laughs> true, you know. It is so funny. And I love uh, what Scott. I was like, what can I think of his name? Paul Rudd. Uh, but then, like, you know, I love his relationship with his daughter. How he basically, you know, he's so close to getting off a house arrest. And, uh, you know, getting it up, but it's like his his situation with, I keep wanting to just call her the wasp. What is her name? Hope. Hope. You know, it's like, it does have like the, uh, the stereotypical like, oh, scorned love, have to earn their love back type situation because she was pissed off when he's like, oh, you know, Germany. And she's like, oh, you could have called us. You could have done something. You just did this. And, you know, now we're in hiding. And I just love how pissed off they are with him the entire time before they're finally, like, accepting him back. But, uh, I love the agent too in it, but it was just such a good movie. And you know, if it has Paul Rudd in it, it's gonna be hilarious. But the whole situation is just the funniness of it. Going through, you know, getting the mother back, which was very intense. And uh, mm-hmm. then you have also the ghost, right, right, right. Yeah. And yeah. The, mm-hmm. Going back through it, but I just thought it was such a cute movie. And I do want to focus on Scott and Hope relationship and then like slowly rekindling but I just thought it was such a good movie and it's like you have so much in it that even when things start to lull it's like well it didn't really have any lull moments but where it's like you get to focus on them just like being okay with one another and you find out she's mostly just upset because she wanted to be there for him and he just kind of ran off and did his own thing when they're supposed to be a partnership yeah I'm I love this. I was not expecting this to be on the list. And you know what's so funny is that I see people, like, shitting on Ant-Man and the Wasp so much. And I'm like, I liked it. I thought it was a good, like, yes, it really didn't have, like, say, a clear villain in it. But I love the relationship between Scott and Hope in this because, obviously, she gets the Wasp suit and she is utterly badass. And as you said, it's like, at first, um, you kind of expect that the reunion is going to be great, but you, you don't realize that Hope and Hank have been on the run since this. Because even though they technically didn't have anything to do with Captain America Civil War, because it was their suit and their property, they are essentially wanted by the government. And it's like, hey, Scott, did you ever think about this? And it's like, oh, no, I didn't. Captain America called, so I just decided to go. <laughs> um, 
And that's America's ass. That's America's ass. <laughs> um, their relationship is great, Hope and Scott, because he is such a goofball, and she's like 110% done with him at all points of the movie. But um, as you said, they then rekindle their relationship. I love the scene where um, his suit is messing up, and so he becomes really small, and she's like, "Oh, how cute!" <laughs> Like, oh, when he's like the size of a child, because it just fully drink him. I, I also the last season I go to the Oh, you my phone says little... in the beginning. Yeah. Am I golden? Yeah, you're golden now. Okay. Um, whenever the the truth serum dialogue. <laughs> Where they're, like, going back and forth on it, and then the guy finally gets injected with a serum, and he's like, it, it's a truth serum. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they were like, there's no such thing as truth serum. And they're like, it's a truth serum. And he's like, this is a truth serum. Oh, yeah, when they, like, kept her, his name was Funny. And he's like, I am a bad man and a criminal mastermind and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I just love that movie, and I I love always uh, that I love that Marvel movies don't take themselves always so seriously. Like obviously, Civil War was pretty serious, Winter Soldier was pretty uh, serious, but I love that always Ant Man is so it, it's good for like a lightheartedness. Like even though they're serious points, it's one of those movies you put on for a good laugh and not feel like oh man, this world is this world is ruined. Well, if you think about it, we needed um, Ant-Man the Wasp because it was the first movie to come out after Infinity War. So, you know, in Infinity War, when we literally watched, like, every single hero that we love disappear, you know, you needed that, like, funny dynamic between Hope and Scott. And there were there were some, like, serious moments in it, obviously, because uh, trying to get back the mother and hope dealing with all of that. Um, I really loved that whole aspect. And I loved how, like, Hank was so disappointed with Scott, but also, like, that's kind of his – it's funny. It's, like, that's his, like, protege, his, like, adopted son and all of that. And he's just, like, I'm so mad at you right now, but sh- mostly because you hurt my daughter and I'm going to, like, smack the shit out of you at this point. But um, – Oh, remember the scene where the mother embodies Scott, and he's like, I'm so proud of you, honey. <laughs> I know, that was so creepy. Like, the slow face. I know, I thought they all accepted it. They all just kind of accepted it, what was going on, even though it was creepy. <laughs> and, like, even Hank was, like, getting all loving with it. And I was just like, this is weird. This is weird. Why is nobody else finding this weird right now? <laughs> I loved it, though. Yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp was a great movie um, and really um, kind of, you know, again, like solidified Scott and Hope's relationship because we obviously got that in the first one, but this one really connected the two of them together and I think made their reunion in Endgame even better. And also it was just, like, so sad that at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, when you realize that Hope, Hank, and Hope's mother all disappeared while Scott was in the quantum realm. And it's like, no, as soon as that happened, as soon as he, like, went into the quantum realm and he's like, guys, guys, I was like, no, this is the time during the snap. 
Oh, uh, whenever that happened, it's like you because it's so lighthearted, and you just feel your stomach drop. You're like, did that really just happen? And that was like one of, like even though everything was so tragic at the end of Infinity War, when Endgame started, I was like, oh no, Scott's coming out. You know, he's going to be so messed up from this. And then he's like, it was five minutes or like five hours or something like that. And you're like, what? What? Yeah, it wasn't that long for him at all. But then in reality, five years had passed. And it's like he finds out that not only is his daughter like full grown at this point, but then Hope and Hank are all gone. And it's just like, damn, that was like heartbreaking for Ant-Man. That really does get me whenever he sees his daughter and she's grown. Because could you imagine loving your child so much and watching them grow and then suddenly you miss five years of their life at their most, like, developing point? And you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> now I'm sad. Thanks a lot, Brittany. You're welcome. That That's my name, Brittany Depressing Eagle. I I definitely now have to go and watch Always Be My Maybe just so that I can have some sort of semblance of fun. (laughs) Of happiness. That's your secret. You're never happy. No. Because even if I watch Endgame, as amazing as that movie is, I will cry like a little baby on multiple points in that movie. So, no. But... That that being said, Ant-Man and the Wasp is a perfect romantic comedy. Um, and I don't care how it was received by the general public. I think it was a good sequel. I think, I think so, too. Excellent. So we are at the number one spot um, of our top ten best romantic comedies. And as usual, I'm just going to go through the list for anyone who wasn't paying attention there. Uh, but <laughs> uh, so number ten is she's all that. Number nine is ten things I hate about you. Number eight is pretty woman. Number seven is the wedding singer. Number six is the wedding date. Number five is moonstruck. Number four is my big fat Greek wedding. Number three is always be my maybe. Number two is Ant Man and the Wasp. And number one is going to be probably my favorite romantic comedy of all time. I can rewatch this movie a million times and never get bored of it. And it is going to be When Harry Met Sally. Because I love this movie so much. Did you ever see When Harry Met Sally, Brittany? You showed it to me. I've only ever seen it once and it was with you. Well, um, When Harry Met Sally is with Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. And it is such a good movie because we have these two characters who are so completely opposite of each other. And I loved in the movie that it wasn't one of those things where they met the first time and that was just it. We see in the beginning of the movie that they've met several times throughout the course of the years and it just never kind of stuck. It was always like little blips of a meeting and obviously neither were that fond of each other because Billy Crystal is very go with the flow, lax type of guy. And Meg Ryan is very type A and very, like, nitpicky and all of that stuff. She's very particular. Um, And then they finally meet at a moment in their lives where the both of them are single and they both are kind of fresh off of, um, you know, heartbreak. 
but they don't immediately jump into like a rebound relationship, right? It's mostly just friendship. We see the two of them just talking to each other, watching movies, going out to eat with one another, and it doesn't ever transpire really to a romantic type of thing until one night um, Meg Ryan, who was relatively okay with the fact that her relationship had ended, then, you know, kind of finds out that her ex is now getting married to another woman, and then suddenly it hits her. So she goes to Billy Crystal, uh, to Harry. Sally goes to Harry um, to kind of sob to him. And in that moment, the two of them end up having sex. And it is so awkward afterwards. But she obviously, Sally is like okay with it and feeling good. And Harry is like, oh, my God, this is so awkward. What did I just do? I just slept with this woman who is like essentially my best friend. And they obviously have a small fallout with each other until at the end of the movie, Harry admits his feelings for Sally. And he has that whole, you know, speech where he's saying that he loves that it takes her like a half hour to order a sandwich. And he loves all of this about her. And he just doesn't want to wait anymore and blah, blah, blah. And the two end up together. And it's like the best thing ever. I love this movie so much. There are so many iconic moments, such as, of course, the diamond <laughs> where where the two and at this point the two of them are just talking because they're not even friends at this point. This is before um the two of them, you know, meet up later on in life. They're just at this point like having, you know, a meal together because they essentially meet because um I really forget, I think it's that uh, Meg Ryan say is like giving him a ride because he's the friend of uh, her, like one of her girlfriends, like boyfriends, something like that. And they end up eating and they have this whole conversation where, you know, about orgasms and Harry pretty much goes, oh, I knew that this girl orgasmed. And Sally's like, well, how'd you know? And he's like, you can't fake that. And she has this whole moment in the middle of a restaurant where she fakes an orgasm and the whole restaurant is looking and then at the end she just kind of like goes back to eating and this one woman's like I'll have what she's having <laughs> I think it's such an iconic line because oh. I hear that all the time where it's like I'll have what she's having I'll have what she's having because obviously it must have been that good that she literally orgasms in the middle of a diner It was. it's just such a good movie. It's so iconic. I love the flow of it. I love how the two of them didn't like each other at first or that they, you know, had all these kind of chance encounters and then finally became friends. It wasn't one of those things where they jumped into a romantic relationship automatically. It was a friendship at first until the both of them finally realized that, like, the companionship that they had with each other isn't just a friendship and it was something that both of them want more out of. And I, I love this movie so much. When Harry Met Sally, when I was composing the list, I was like, this has to be the number one. So um, I know that you've only seen it once, Brittany, but if you want to kind of talk about, like, what you thought when I uh, forced you pretty much to watch this movie. 
I think every movie we've ever watched together, you have uh, you have strong armed me. You're like you have no choice. This is what you're watching. But you know what? I'm happy for it because it always turns out great. But I was gonna say I love this movie. But I remember watching it and going, God, how are they ever gonna end up together? They're just not made for one another. Cause I remember he was so uh, so blunt. And kind of, yeah. like, grumpy. And I was like, how is this ever going to work? And then whenever they sleep together and, um, you know, he's being all awkward, I was like, dude, it took two to tango. Why are you acting all weird about it now? You're making her feel self-conscious. And the whole time I was like, they're never going to work out. They're never going to work out. I'm depressed. And then when it works out, you're like, yes, finally. But the diner scene is so good. Like I remember watching it because I didn't know it was from that movie. And as it was happening, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to, like, sink into my seat. I can't imagine how somebody at a diner would react to someone, like, fake orgasming at the table. But um, I'm trying to remember what else. I can't remember. What was Harry trying to become? Oh, he was, you like, know what? I, completely, I completely forget with that whole thing. But I like how you said that they really didn't seem like they were going to work, right? Because if you remember them, he at one point in the car is, like, eating grapes so, like, like a slob. And he's just, like, spitting, like, the seeds out of the freaking car. And she's just so disgusted with him. But then when they go and order, she's, like, trying to order, like, apple pie a la mode. But she's like, I want it warm with the ice cream on the side. If you don't have this type of ice cream, then I want it this way. And if you don't have it, I want it this way. And it, like, took forever, and he's just staring at her, like, pick a freaking order already. It's apple pie and it's ice cream. It doesn't have to be this yeah. complicated. <laughs> I, I love that she just was so anal about everything, where she's like, it has to be just so. Just so. And I also love the side um, relationship. If you remember, um, she had a friend who was always with a married guy. And and they're trying to, like, decide, like, if the guy's ever going to leave his wife. And, and Sally's like, he's never going to leave his wife. And she's like, which actually that friend is, was, um, oh, my God, why can't I remember her name? <gasps> the woman who played Princess Leia. Oh, my God. Why can't I remember her oh, name? Oh, right um, now? This oh, is terrible. I know her yeah, name. Now you're making me look bad, too, because I don't know either. Like, I know. People who are, like, listening are like, these people are fake geeks. Well, true, but now I'm joking. Uh, it is. Uh, Carrie uh, Fisher. There you go. My bad. Yeah, yeah, there um, you go. So. But so the best friend of Sally is played by Carrie Fisher. And I loved her little side plot where she's just always with this married guy. And finally she meets uh, Harry's friend and ends up falling in love with him and ends up uh, marrying him. And then they, even though Carrie Fisher's love life was always kind of a wreck and confusing, suddenly the two of them become essentially like the gurus of relationships when it comes to like trying to, you know, help out Harry and Sally with their whole debacle. 
it's very uh, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, where he like, wants nothing to do with relationships to friends, and then he ends up getting together with that one girl on the plane, and oh then my God, that's about love. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's like the person who ultimately never wanted to be in a relationship then gets to a relationship, and then they're just the experts all of a sudden. So that was very much how it was in When Harry Met Sally. And it's just, like, my favorite romantic comedy of all time. I just love the story of it. I love their journey in it because I just think that it was done so well. And Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan had such great chemistry in this movie. I um, Which is funny because also, if I remember correctly, I do – I'm trying to remember correctly – that she's, like, out of his league technically on the looks department. But it's just, like, yeah. I love whenever they're, like, so mix-matched. Like, they, where it's, like, yeah, she takes really uh, long to order, but he's a slob, and it's, like, a very opposite-to-track type situation. Well, exactly, and that was the whole thing, is that he was completely not her type at all. And he's just kind of like, okay, whatever, going with the flow. But And then I also love how, you know, he always was very nonchalant. But then when he runs into, say, his ex with um, the ex's new husband or new fiancé or whatever, you know, it hits him as well. So I do like in the movie that it explores how the two of them are very heartbroken by their breakup, even though it seems like they weren't originally you know, like heartbroken by them. No, I, I get you. Movie. I just love this movie. So I am declaring When Harry Met Sally as the number one uh, best ro- romantic comedy of all time. And if you don't agree with me, then you can fight me on it. I thought you were going to say, well, then you're wrong. I was like, that's, that's <laughs> a cheap thing to say. Well, that's true as well. But um, Brittany, since we have a little bit of time left, did you have any on your list that you didn't get to kind of shout out right now? Well, there's a, there was one that I was like, oh, I don't know how to explain it, because sometimes I'm not the great at explaining the summary, and it's been a while since I've seen these movies, but then you're going back through, and you're like, how do I explain it? But The Princess Bride. Oh, that was such a good one. <laughs> I know. And I was sitting there, I was like, how do I explain this? But there's so many good points. It's like, hey, you fool, you the oldest trick of the book. <laughs> but there's so many silly parts. I love the whole romance to it. But I'll just, uh, you said my father, prepare to die. And I'm like, who cannot not quote that movie at some point in their life? He's like, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And then doesn't doesn't he just keep saying it, like, over and over and over again as he's, like, finally fighting the dude? I think it's because, like, at one, he thought somebody killed his father, but then he finds out they didn't kill their father, so then he goes to the next guy, and so he has to repeat it each time. That's such a good movie. You know what's really funny about that? So the guy who plays, you know, the as you wish, as you wish, as you wish, as he's like rolling down. He plays this really thick head mayor in the third season of Stranger Things. 
and I just saw oh, no. a, and I just saw a trailer for some movie. I forget what it is now. I'll just look up his uh, filmography after this. But he plays like a bastard in it as well. And it's like the guy who was so dreamy in Princess Bride is now playing like this dick all of a sudden. Which don't get me wrong, he's like doing it really well and he doesn't look bad like for his age. So I'm like, okay, like he's like, I'm getting away from that whole like pretty boy, uh, you know, prince type of stereotype. And I'm just going to be a dick in all of my roles. <laughs> uh, Carrie Elwood? Is that the guy? I think, and he plays Wesley in the movie, yes. like the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he's, like, playing, like, all these, like, dickhead roles, and I kind of love it. All right. You're, like, you're not such the pretty boy anymore. You either, uh, or it say, die the hero or uh, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> That is exactly what it is. Oh, he is going to be in the third season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which, love that show. Oh, I could talk about that show, too. But um, I actually had a few movies on my list, just because I was like, just in case Brittany says the ones that I'm thinking of. And I also kind of put these on the list before I discovered the other movies. But uh, so I'm just going to run through them. No need to explain them. I think you'll probably know these more than anything. Um so there's a crazy stupid love, forgetting yes. Sarah, forgetting Sarah Marshall, knocked up, forty year old virgin, and fifty first date. Yes, those are all great. I I looked at those two, but it was like so hard to explain what went on because I was like, man, I haven't seen this since I was like twelve. But those are great. <laughs> Well, I mean, Knocked Up isn't that hard to explain. <laughs> These two people on one drunken night have sex, and she becomes pregnant, and they try to have a romantic relationship, even though they are two completely opposite people. <laughs> yeah, opposites don't always attract. I remember when Knocked Up came out, and I thought it was so funny, and my dad didn't like it at all. He's like, I don't get what's funny about this. And it's like, okay, yes, I get it. It was a one-night stand, and she ends up getting knocked up, and that's, you know, I guess not funny. But just the movie was hilarious because, you know, um, Seth Rogen's character became a better person afterwards. And isn't that important in movies? Life lessons here. Life lessons. I just still laugh at the four-year-old virgin. <laughs> We still quote that one. We still quote, like, my dad, like, uh, it's like, oh, he has, like, a really long eyebrow here, and I reach over, and I just grab it, and he goes, oh, Clary Clarkson. So, yeah. You know, that, that do, you know, do you know that they, like, he ad-libbed all that because they actually did, like, wax him in that moment? Oh, no. <laughs> So that's all completely, like, real, like, reactions. I love Toriel Virgin because the whole thing was just so hilarious that he literally just never had sex with his 40, and all of the people around him were like, we're getting you laid. <laughs> we are getting you that's laid. That's true friend. Um, I, I just love that movie. That's so great. And I think, though, out of all of those, I really liked um, – I really like forgetting Sarah Marshall the most out of the ones that I just picked. I don't know why. I loved, like, the relationship in that movie, Um, just all of it. But, yeah, so those are uh, my kind of 
uh, honorable mentions there. And, Brittany, I think we did a pretty good job in this whole list for a person, myself, who isn't the biggest fan of romantic comedies. I think so, too. There's, But have you noticed that only a few of them are recent? And that might be the reason why that – we think back, but then when you look back at all the ones we picked, they were all from the 90s or early 2000s, the heyday of romantic comedies. You know, that's very true. It's like, I like the older ones because they were funny and they had, like, the romantic aspect, but they also were more story-driven, whereas opposed to, I think, that romantic comedies now are just there for all the laughs, right? They're like, oh, yeah, how do we just, like, you know, how do we capitalize on just these, like, cheap laughs right now? Oh yeah, definitely. Because even like, um, love you, uh, love you maybe. I love that movie, but I get where it didn't focus so much on their past, or you know, because they had the one bit. But it did focus a lot on it. But also, it didn't do like back in the old day. They'd be like, oh yeah, we're gonna make it fifty-fifty the past, and now fifty the present. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I think, I don't know, anytime I see, like, a rom-com now, I'm like, that just looks, like, silly. Like, if anything, they're more silly. Um, And I think that the most recent one, obviously, was Always Be My Maybe, which came out this year. But that's the exception, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely think when I think back to all the romantic comedies, that, that was the 90s and early 2000s were the best. They were the best. They were. And I'm telling you, I'm definitely going to watch Always Be My Maybe at some point today. But now I feel bad that you actually have to go to work after this. I know. I was like, uh, but it's only until 4 o'clock. Well, that's not bad. It's not terrible. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, um, Brittany, I think that it has been a great show. We really went down um, a fantastic list, a lot of laughs, which, you know, is great for this because I feel like we watch a lot of serious stuff that it's okay to sometimes get, like, the laughs in. Oh, I know. You know how much I love serial killer stuff, so sometimes you got to laugh between the killing. Oh, my God. People listen to me like, what is wrong with this girl? Which, by the way, though, if that that is what you are into, I definitely suggest catching up with Mindhunter on Netflix. The second season just dropped not too long ago, and it is fantastic. Um, I binged it last week, and I am so happy that I did. It's one of, like, the best shows on Netflix right now. So I certainly suggest that and then also for those who are listening uh titans season two just came out um this friday on the dc universe app if you don't have the dc universe app it's only like six dollars a month and you can do like a trial period just to kind of see if it's something that is up your alley but you have titans and you have doom patrol two really good shows that you should definitely check out i'm trying to think what else that we can promote um oh if you go on well, I can't even talk today. My bad. But if you go on geekvibesnation.com, you'll actually see that I recently did a interview with Trevor Long, who was in the first two seasons of Ozark, and him and his brother Owen actually did a movie together called Seeds. So the interview is there, and a review of the movie will actually be coming a little later on today. So please 
make sure you go check that out. And uh, Brittany, is there anything that you would like to promote, um, kind of plug right now for the audience? Uh, so you can always find me at Instagram or Twitter at Brittany underscore Hegel. Anytime I'm adding anything or just even there's discussions with Geek Vibe Nation. Also keep tuned because uh, first week of October, first weekend of October, me and Tia will be going to New York Comic Con with Geek Vibe. And we'll have a lot of content coming from that. Absolutely. Yeah, we got a lot of exciting things coming up. I want to fangirl right now and say that this upcoming Saturday, I am actually seeing the Broadway play Betrayal, which stars Tom Hiddleston and and Charlie Cox in it. So I am super excited to see the two of them on stage. I'll also be doing a review for the play. And then as Brittany said, um, we are only a few weeks away from New York Comic Con. There's a lot of really exciting stuff going on like Tom Hiddleston and Paul Rudd coming to New York Comic Con, which I don't know if that's ever happened or when's the last time that's ever happened, but that's really exciting because, as I always say, it's like none of the big guests ever come to New York Comic Con. They always go to San Diego Comic Con. So this is freaking amazing. So make sure that you check out that. And obviously you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, TFABY. I do a lot of content writing for Geek Vibes Nation as well as the top 10 every weekend. And we just got a lot of really exciting stuff going on, such as Geek Vibes Live, um, Monday stuff. We have Full Court Press. We have just a lot of great things coming up, a lot of interviews. Our associate, Kelly Kantowitz, just uh, spoke with someone from the show Orphan Black. So make sure that you check that out as well. And Thank you so much for listening, and let us know what some of your best romantic comedies are. Brittany, thank you again for joining me today. I hope you have a good uh, day, good luck at work, and thank you, audience. (laughs) Thanks, and everybody have a great rest of the day. Bye.